Welcome to the New Man Podcast, a show for brave men to experience freedom in their faith, sexuality, and relationships. The goal? To provide practical tools and timeless principles that help you become the man you were made to be. And now, your host, Sathya Sam. What's up, everybody? Sathya Sam here, and welcome to the New Man Podcast. It is so great to have you guys here today, and I'm excited to continue yesterday's podcast, which was talking about stress management. And when I started recording, um, you know, sometimes I have sort of thought through my content, I have a little bit of a framework, and then, you know, I fill in little gaps and add things here and there and whatever. Um, And other times I just hit record. And I have a subject in mind and I know that as I start talking, my thoughts will sort of come together and we'll be able to get, you know, a coherent message. Um, But yesterday, as I was talking, I was realizing there is so much more to the subject of stress, managing stress. And I really, really believe that if, um, if you can learn to manage stress, you can learn to manage life. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just think our inability to manage stress is probably one of the primary causes of dysfunction, of uh, poor performance, and of even disease. I mean, there's there's lots of proof for that, and we'll get into that a little bit today. But the point is, managing managing stress is a big deal in general, and it is certainly a big deal in recovering from pornography. So that's what I want to go in today, into today, and I want to just... Um, kind of change direction a little bit because uh, yesterday we talked a little bit about how to manage stress. It was very uh, practical, hands-on, nuts and bolts. Here are some of the things you can do and <laughs> excuse me, and here's some of the things that maybe you shouldn't do. Uh, but today I wanted to actually just provide a little bit more context and in some ways I probably should have done these episodes in reverse order but uh, it is what it is. This will give you a little bit of a framework and it's going to just help you flesh out some of those practical components in a little bit more depth and detail. So uh, let's just start here. Um, Stress is subjective. Okay, stress is subjective. In other words, uh, not everything causes stress for the same people. Uh, And I mentioned this in yesterday's podcast. Two people can experience the same incident. One walks away unscathed, unaffected, and the other is traumatized. It is simply a matter of the individual. And there's lots of factors that go into it. We're not going to really talk about that too much. But all you really need to know, the point is, something that might be stressful for you is not necessarily stressful for other people. And that is a good thing that the more you understand your unique individual experience of stress, the better you will manage it. And if all you do is kind of look at other people and think, why aren't they stressed about this? Or I shouldn't be stressed about that because so-and-so doesn't seem to care about it. um, That kind of thinking isn't really going to be that helpful. It's better for you to just say, I feel stressed and what can I do about it? So understand that stress is subjective. Now, this is especially important for the next thing I want to go through here, which is there, uh, the two different kinds of stress. Okay, I don't know if you knew this, but there are two different kinds. There is distress, which is the 
kind of, it's become synonymous with stress, even though it's only one kind. Distress is when the stress you experience has a negative impact on your body or on you, you know, on your brain, basically on your brain or your body. Okay, that is distress. It has a negative effect. The other kind of stress is called eustress. And believe it or not, eustress is the type of stress that has a positive effect. So you will see, um, you know, some per- like somebody could be behind the wheel of a car going 200 miles an hour. If it's Dale Earnhardt Jr., he is having the time of his life. Uh, there's probably a little bit of stress involved, but it's definitely you stress. Um, if most people were behind that same steering wheel driving that same car, it would be distress because the the impact of that stress would be very negative. It would cause them to fear, panic, whatever else. Distress and eustress. Now, what we want to do is we want to create opportunities for us to have eustress, to have stressful experiences that actually add value or increase to our life. And we want to minimize distress. So um, a lot of the a lot of the research basically says you have two options. You can either change your environment to try to reduce the factors that are the, the distressing factors, or you can get really good at managing distress, managing stress. And so it's, um, it's, it's a little bit twofold. And yesterday we talked a lot about the stress management side of things, but I just wanted to mention that you can control your environment and that will go a really long way. And so if you think about, um, like, so I'll give a a personal example. I, I work in my office and I'm, I'm in there, uh, anywhere from six to 12 hours a day. So it just depends on the day, but I, I do have long days sometimes and looking at a screen can actually be really anxiety inducing for me. It, it, it's honestly, it can be very stressful because I just get really distracted. There's lots of things going on and I have a hard time sort of detaching when I get really focused on something. So looking at the screen becomes distressing. So the the easy solution to that or the easy takeaway from that is just to get up, walk away. And usually I'll step outside for a minute and I'll just look at the trees or I'll look at the grass. I just look at something else that's not a screen. And by changing my environment, I reduce the impacts of stress or I I reduce the overall level of stress. So changing your environment can be helpful as well. Now, um, I want to just talk about the you stress thing a little bit because I think it's it's quite fascinating and it is not a personality dependent. In, in other words, it's not like, well, some people can just handle stress better and so they um, experience more you stress. Everybody experiences you stress. There, there are things that people would find stressful, that some people would find stressful rather or distressing that other people find uh, fun, you know, and maybe a little bit exhilarating. So... Um, an example would be uh, maybe one person, you, you have somebody in your life who is very detail oriented. Okay, they, they love details. They think through every little micro element of everything. And, and so everything is, is vetted with a fine tooth comb. Uh, they, they, don't, um, they don't think about big pictures or visions or, or whatever. All they really care about are the small details. That, those are the things they get in. So for them, when you when you give them a project, and that involves uh, you know maybe 
organizing files. Uh, maybe it involves writing out some some transcripts or or drafting emails. Uh, people of that kind of caliber or composition are going to love that task. It, that that task might impose a bit of stress because maybe there's a deadline with it and there's some responsibility. But it's more like you stress. It's it's something that yeah has a little bit of an added element of stress to it. But on the whole, it is adding value to them. It's, it's not a drain. Now, if you give that same person the task of managing a project and you say, okay, you need to manage the project. Um, here are the three people on your team. They're the ones who are going to do all the work. They're going to get into the details. And, and all you have to do is just manage them and make sure that the project is following the timeline. Well, a person of that caliber is going to find that very distressing because they can't control the details. They, they can't account for all the little things that they're passionate about that they want to make sure get done right. And instead, they're left in a place where they have to trust. They have to um, use a different skill set. And that kind of environment could be really distressing for them. So again, this is where the individuality really comes into play. It, it, it has nothing to do with, um, you know, gender, race, uh, not even really personality as much as you think. It just has to do with the person. One, one person can deal with it and uh, the other person finds it stressful. Now, you might think, oh, well, isn't that the same thing? Like the person or somebody's personality? Not at all. Because personality tests, um, I, and that's what I'm sorry, that's what I'm referring to when I say personality. I'm talking about the tests, you know, um, your Enneagram or your disc profile or um, what's it, the, the 16 personalities, uh, Young's uh, kind of personality thing. Um, these are all uh, useful tools that, that highlight certain aspects of your personality, but they're not fully, like, they're not comprehensive. They're, there's always unique parts that don't quite fit into the mold. And so it's, it's better that you use those as guides, but really pay attention to your own responses. Now, you might be asking, Sathya, what responses are you talking about? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, stress has impacts on, well, has impact on two parts of the body primarily. Your brain, pardon, wow, I, I really botched that sentence. Okay, let me try that again. Stress has impact on two areas, the brain and the body. That was a, that was a great, it was such a great point that it was really hard to get out. That was the problem. Um, your brain and your body. Okay, so let's talk first about your brain. Two things happen primarily when you go into a, straight, a state of distress. Two things. Number one, your brain kicks into a higher gear, a fight or flight response typically. The fight or flight response is glucose demanding. It is glucose demanding. And what that means is that your body or your brain will start to signal or sorry, it will start to consume sugar first, it will start to consume glucose in the body. And if you stay in those states for prolonged periods of time, your body will then seek more glucose. So it will send signals to the rest of your system that say we need some sugar in here, we need some, we need some fuel. And it will it resort to other you know, macronutrients, it'll go to fats, it'll go to proteins, it'll take whatever it can get. But part of its response will include uh, a, a signal for more sugar, more glucose. 
So this is important to note. If if you have um, you know something stressful happen, it, it doesn't mean that you just instantly have sugar cravings. What I'm talking about though is when you are in a prolonged period of stress without any sort of uh, even temporary relief your body is going to start craving sugary because in some ways it needs it to fuel the stress response going on in the brain. The second thing that your brain does is it releases cortisol. And cortisol is famously known as the stress hormone. And it is actually a very useful hormone. It kind of gets a bad rap. But it's it's the beauty of your brain's design. Your brain recognizes, okay, we're in distress here. And it releases a hormone that actually helps to mitigate the body's response to stress. Now, temporary mitigation is good. Um, in other words, it's gonna um, it's gonna change your blood circulation. It's gonna, like I mentioned, affect a little bit of sort of the the nutrients that it's seeking. Um, even your musculature changes a little bit. Uh, you have all kinds of changes in the body that temporarily in a state of distress can be really helpful. They allow you to focus and they kind of allow you to, to just survive and to cope. But prolonged cortisol release in the body is bad. It actually can cause disease. It can cause mental health issues. And, and a whole plethora of problems arise when we are exposed to cortisol for pro- prolonged periods of time. So... What it tells us is that there's nothing wrong with experiencing stress and it's impossible to actually remove stress from your life altogether. But instead, we want to get so good at managing stress that the longevity of a stress response is significantly reduced with time. And so that, yes, you might encounter stressing situations with your finances, your relationships, your work, uh, your journey to freedom from pornography, whatever it might be, you're going to encounter some stress along the way. But what you want to do is you want to try to reduce your stress response or shorten your stress response as much as possible. So those are the impacts in the brain. Now, in the body, we see a, a really similar thing happen. And that is, uh, it's really just some of the things I, I mentioned. Uh, your your body goes into, um, it, you're going to see muscle contractions take place, a lot more tension in the muscles. Uh, your heart rate will start to increase. And you will start to notice fatigue as well. And the reason for this is because in a distressed state, your brain starts to hog all the sugar. It starts to hog all the energy. And so there's not as much resource available to the other parts of your body. Now, these are the the main things to know, I would say, about your brain and body. Now, just uh, two other facts that you might find interesting. Uh, Research has shown that brain cells die in the presence of prolonged stress. So as stress prevails, uh, your brain cells will actually start to die off. So that's not a good thing. And the second thing, and and this is sort of in conjunction with that, that statement, your brain will actually shrink. The overall size of your brain reduces in prolonged stress. So the impact here is major. Now, let's translate all of this to a porn recovery context. So just imagine what, like, let's really think about the battle that's going on here when you are, are fighting against the, the temptations and, and sort of the, the lust of the flesh. What you're really up against is your brain. 
right? It's your brain that notices the attractive women. It's your brain that kind of uh, brings them back up later. It's your brain that says, oh, maybe I could get away wa- like watching this video or looking at this website. It's, it's your brain. It's, it's all your brain. And so if we can learn to, to understand what's going on with our brain in a stressed state, we are going to significantly reduce our chances of poor decision making because that is the problem with extended stress. It like the, the chain here is, okay, you experience distress. It lasts longer than it should. The brain starts to deteriorate. It starts to hog energy and resources. The body then starts to get tired and you become vulnerable. Your entire state is, is weakened. And as a result, you make poor decisions some of which probably include masturbating or watching pornography or some sort of other engagement in in sexual misbehavior. So that's the chain. And what we want to try to do is get as far up that chain as possible so that when we experience stress in our life, the response is quick. And what happens is, just, just imagine this, okay? Imagine that you, you have something really stressful going on in your life, financial, uh, vocational, relational, marital, social, emotional, uh, spiritual, you know, whatever it might be. Imagine that you have uh, something distressing that's going on and it just festers and it persists and you don't talk to anybody and you don't get any help. Well, with time, that, that prolonged distress leaves your brain in this consuming state. But your brain doesn't like being in that state either. It wants to settle down again, but it can't because the stress is continuing. Then your body starts to tire and then you, you start to push your boundaries a little bit. So you start to eat a little bit worse than you do. You start to watch a little bit more TV than you normally do. You start to engage in riskier behaviors and make poorer decisions. And that leads you to watch porn. Now, you can experience the exact same situation, the, the distress in whatever area of your life it might be. And all it takes is just some healthy intervention to manage that distress and then you stop that chain. You, you don't eat poorly. You don't watch more TV. You don't stay up later than you normally would. And you prevent those slips from happening. So this is why I'm telling you, if you can manage stress, you can significantly reduce the lure of pornography and masturbation. Because much of, or many rather, of the slips revert or point back to inability to manage stress or prolonged periods of distress. So I just wanted to give some context in today's episode. I hope this helps you understand it a little bit better. And uh, what I really want you to think about is what is it going to look like for you to reduce your stress response? Because that is really what we're going after here. Now, let me give you some uh, some examples here. And these are these are partially my own examples. And these are also like very highly researched areas uh, with scientific backing. Diet. Okay, diet is one of the best things you can do to enhance your stress response. When you are healthy physically, you're putting good fuel into the engine that is your body. The responses are a lot healthier and your resilience to stress is better, which means not only will you uh, not be as quick to fall into a stress pattern, but when you are in it, you can stay in there longer without the adverse effects that we discussed. 
Exercise is another one for the exact, well, yeah, for the exact same reasons in the sense that exercise does all of those things. It increases your, your stress resiliency um, and it's going to allow your responses to last longer. But secondly, and we talked about this yesterday, exercise is physical and physical exertion is excellent for alleviating, alleviating stress. Hobbies. Hobbies is a huge one. Just having things where you can disconnect from the cares of life, focus in on something that is life-giving. Hobbies go a long way. It could be something creative, something artistic. It could be something athletic. It could be building something. It could be uh, just learning a new skill, cooking, baking, um, you know, maybe uh, like learning how to, how to build something. Uh, yeah, the list goes on. I'm repeating myself here now, but you get the idea. Hobbies. Hobbies are great meaningful connection. Okay. Uh, research says, you know, it's friendships or uh, that kind of thing, like, like healthy friendships. I'm going to broaden it a bit and say meaningful connections, uh, goes a long way with your leaders, with your mentors, your pastors, and, and of course with your friends, your peers, colleagues, meaningful connection goes a long way to minimizing stress in your life. Volunteerism, another great way, again, just a great outlet. It, it helps your brain to relax. It helps you to just serve somebody else to really get off uh, of your own, uh, to, you know, to get away from focusing on, on the cares of your life and whatever else there might be. Uh, volunteering goes a really long way. Uh, two more things here. Professional help. Professional help can um, obviously assist in some good coping strategies and maybe even talking through what might be stressing you out. And I've had seasons, just a couple, where I've reached out to some professionals to uh, really just to, to have a sounding board. I'm a verbal processor, but I'm very selective with who I actually can verbally process with. And sometimes just professional help is a better way to do it. It's just paying somebody to listen to me. It sounds ridiculous, but it's really valuable for me. And it really does help with the stress response. And last one, and probably my favorite is humor. Uh, they do say laughter is the best medicine. Uh, Proverbs says that as well. I forget exactly how it's phrased. Um, but it is, uh, it is absolutely true. Humor goes a really long way. I've had really hard seasons of my life, like when uh, my wife was sick. Um, that was when we were engaged, actually. And, um, and when she was really sick and we didn't know what was going to happen with our, our wedding. And uh, we wound up postponing our wedding twice, which I, I don't know if I've mentioned that on the podcast here. And uh, I will interview her one day and uh, you'll get the whole story. But uh, that was a hard season. And I actually made a habit of watching funny skits or just funny little sketches before I'd go to bed. Um, it was just a great way for me to, uh, to kind of de-stress and to just relax a little bit and put my brain at ease before going to sleep. That was really, really helpful. And I've had other seasons, now that I think about it, even more recently where, uh, you know, I kind of get on this, this binge with uh, Jerry Seinfeld or Jim Gaffigan. Those are some of my favorite comedians. I like clean comedians, so I kind of gravitate towards uh, these guys. Um, but it's really good for the, for the soul. And I think when you're making especially distressful decisions, sorry, just stressful decisions, or you're in distressing situations that are kind of ongoing, you need these things as part of your regular rhythms. And that's the last thing I'll say. And you're going to hear me say this all the time, but consistency is the key. Lifestyle is the goal. So, um, what you want to do, especially if it's, you know, if it's not just a one-off uh, stressful situation, but it's something ongoing, you want to make sure that you have dis, uh, de-stressing practices in the rhythms of your life. So for, for us, like my wife and I, uh, we take Sabbath very seriously, and that's usually every Saturday. 
And that's a great way to decompress and to de-stress and just to unwind and relax. And I usually go for a walk along uh, the lake here. Uh, Sometimes I'll walk through, we have a little uh, eco park. Um, and I'll walk for a very long time. Like we're talking a couple hours here. It's really, really good for just getting rid of stress. Um, I also make sure I take regular breaks from my computer screen, like I mentioned. So I usually work for 45, 50 minutes max, and then I take breaks. Uh, research is showing you should actually be doing those breaks even more frequently. I haven't quite got there yet. Um, screen time, you know, there's lots of different things you can do, but the point is, have some regular practices as well so that it's sort of just baked into your life, that you're going to reduce stress, you're going to minimize it, and as a result, you're going to reduce your the lures or the temptations that you experience for porn and masturbation. Anyways, I have belabored this subject enough. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this helps you. I, I, I mean, we all deal with stress, and I think the better we get at handling it, the better off we will be. Uh, I wish you an incredible day. And I just want to remind you that if you want more tips like this on a regular basis, if you're looking to maybe get some help, uh, you want some more clinical findings, you want to hear some more client stories, and, and you just want to get these things regularly, but maybe not through a podcast, uh, maybe through email, if you check things there a bit more regularly, go to my website, uh, scroll down and you can subscribe. It's called The New Man Report. And that gets delivered to your inbox every week, completely free of charge. Uh, We just want to get the information out there. We want to help as many people as we possibly can get free of porn. Have an amazing day, guys. And we will talk soon. Thanks for listening to The New Man Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, you can share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please sign up for the weekly newsletter at www.sathiasam.com or follow on Instagram at Sam. Thanks again and see you next time.